Welcome to those of you who are online and just joining us now. Glad that you can be with us. A heads up and an apology that I once again forgot to let those uh, let Christina know that those who are going to be online, we are doing communion this morning. And we're going to be doing it shortly, not at the end of the message, but at the beginning. And so if you have time to go grab some supplies between uh, you know, call to worship and prayer, uh, we're going to get into communion after that. And you're welcome to grab those. That would be great. So receive this as God greeting you this morning, okay, personally. Even put your name in there. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's do our call to worship together. So, this is speaking of Jesus. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, he himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. By making peace through the blood of his cross. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, as we started the service earlier, we said it is all about Jesus. And those scriptures there remind us that he has first place in everything because of what he is, what because of who he is and what he has done. We remind ourselves of this that it in terms of rank in our own lives, we don't have first place. You do. And you have first place because of what you have done. You have rescued us from this present evil age. You have given yourself for our sins. You have taken your throne high above everything else. You have put all things under your feet. You are amazing, God. So we say thank you. We take a moment here to meditate silently on the cross that Christ died for sinners of whom I am the foremost. Lord, thank you that you reconcile us to yourself by the blood of your cross. Thank you that though we were enemies, you brought us near and you made made it possible for us to, to become friends, not just followers, but friends. And so for that, we worship you, that though we are not equal, 
you still offer us not only yourself, but then a relationship with you as well. It is amazing, God. Thank you. We want to offer you our lives in response, in gratitude. And as we continue here now with communion, would you bring to mind how it is that we have come not just to know about you, but to know you? Would you guide us, Lord? Would you open our minds to your word? Would your spirit move in such a way that you are given first place so that Christ is glorified in all things? In Jesus' name, amen. I asked Noah if he'd help me hand out these elements very quickly, and then we will feel free to open them up now so we get all that crinkling out of the way. <laughs> And I always eat about 10% of this terrible wafer. So I got my piece ready. I'd like you to hold these things. And in prayer, I'd like you to ask the Lord how it is that you came to follow Jesus. Ask him to remind you. Ask him to bring scripture to mind. No, did you actually lay out all of the religions of the world and evaluate them and then say, I pick this one. Did someone, you know, convince you of, of all the, of the facts and the truth? Is that how you came to Jesus? Is that how you fell in love with him? How did you come to Jesus? Did you come to Jesus because you, you performed all the right religious steps? Is that how you came to Jesus? Take a minute and have him remind you of how you came to Jesus. I can remember being six years old in my bedroom. I'd been sent there for something I'd done wrong. And many times I had asked God to get me out of punishments. And instead I asked Jesus for forgiveness. And he met me. And I trusted him. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, not by works, so that no one could boast. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through that same spirit. Romans 8, 11. I trusted you. I still trust you. And it's still because of you. love you, Jesus. Friends, would you take this bread, this cup, in remembrance of him? Friends, how did we come to Jesus? 
one of the main messages in Galatians is that the same way that we grow in Christ is the same way that we came to Christ. But so often, the more churchified you get, to make up a word, the more it becomes a whole bunch of hoops we jump through. And that's not the case. We're just going to read the first five verses of Galatians 3. I touched on them briefly last week. Um, They're worth coming back to because they're actually the very heart of the book. Everything turns on these verses here and the the subsequent argument that he is going to lay out. Um, And he's going to carry these points through and make them in different ways for the next couple of chapters. And so it's worth reminding ourselves of how simple the message is. And it comes in just a few words in these five verses here. Remember, these are Gentile Christians. He's not talking to non-Christians, right? But he's talking to people who didn't grow up in Judaism, right? They, They converted to Christianity from all of the pagan religions, right? That none of them were atheists. There was no such thing as an atheist back then. They converted from something else, and they came to realize that Jesus was the hope. But they bring both the mindset that they they had in their previous uh, religious experiences, and they have combined it with a mindset that often develops out of Judaism, and that is that we have to jump through religious hoops. And Paul's going to say, is that the way you started? How did it, and that's why the question, how did you come to Jesus? How, how you come to Jesus is the same way that you continue to grow in Jesus. And if we miss that, then things become bogged down and very difficult. So Galatians 3, he's calling them foolish here precisely because they're going back to that way of being religious. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your very eyes that Christ was publicly exhibited as crucified. Now, what he means by that, and I'm not going to come back to it, is probably that Paul was there and they saw the way that he had been treated. He had scars for following Jesus. And that was the evidence that just like Christ had suffered, Paul believed it so much and had had entered into that reality of, I will minister in the way Christ ministers, that I now bear the scars on my body, Paul would say, and I've shown them to you. That's probably what he is referring to here, but it's hard to know. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. So this is, this is the main point of Galatians right here. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard. It's, it's that simple. How do you want to grow in Christ? Do you, do you grow in Christ by, by doubling down and becoming more and more and more disciplined? Or, or do you grow in Christ the same way that you started in Christ, which is, he did something for me, and I believed it. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Having started with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? What he means by flesh is your own work. Is it now all about you? 
And then he asks this interesting question. He says, did you experience so much for nothing or in vain? If it was in vain, he will say. Stop there for just a second. Some of your translations might say, did you suffer so much in vain? The, the Greek word here can be rendered either way. And so it's then context that determines how it is that we render it suffer versus experience. And so because he is about to go on and name the experiences that they have had, it is properly translated, you, did you experience so much in vain? Not did you suffer so much in vain? He's not going to talk about their sufferings at all. Did you experience so much in vain? If, it, if indeed it was in vain, well then, does God supply, so here's the experience, does God supply you with the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? or by believing what you heard. Okay. Like I said, these Galatians have have adopted a mindset which tells them that they need to start um, working harder at their own religious routines and and rituals and and go through specific religious rites in order that they will grow in Christ. They are already believers, right? Did you receive the Spirit in vain? If it was in vain, like did, uh, having started with the Spirit, he says, you already have the Spirit, but then how do you grow? They're, they're, what they're saying is it's great to start with Jesus, but how do I grow? Well, I'm about to add all of these Jewish laws, all of these Jewish rites. And, and Paul's going to pull out his hair and go, if, if you go that way, what you are actually doing is putting your faith in your own ability and your own performance. This is going to be absolutely crucial for us because so many of us start with Jesus. It's by grace that we are saved. But after that, I got it, Jesus. And I'm going to tell you how I am going to grow and mature in, in Christ. How I am going to grow and mature in my own walk with you from now on. Let me tell you. And, and Paul's going to go, if, if you go that way, you, help, you will have nullified the work that Jesus did. Because you can't start one way and then add things to it. it the, the way that we start is the way that we grow. That's his point. You can't put your faith in yourself. But we do this so often. So often. We talk and we sing about grace. We love grace, 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 grace. And you know what? You ask someone, you know, what's God doing in your life these days? And, and they're, they're, they're really frustrated. Like, well, I'm just stuck. But you know what I've got? To, I know what I've got to do. That, that's, that's what people say. I know what I have to do. What I have to do is I have to double the amount of Bible study that I have. I have to double my time in prayer. I have to double the amount that I am in church. I have to double. It's all about doubling down. Did you come to Christ by doubling down? Did he save you by your own doubling down? Why do we think that we grow that way? Paul's going to say, instead, what's happened is that there's a new hope that's been birthed in you. 
You see, we, we double down because we have hopes for ourselves, right? We don't, we don't want to stay stuck. We don't want to be the way that we are. We, want, we see Christ as the vision and we go, I want that. We see people that are coming fully alive in Jesus. And we're like, I want that. And then we say, I know what I have to do. I have to go to the spiritual gym. I have to work harder. I have to pump more spiritual iron. And Paul's like, no, no, you don't. The way that you start is the way that you grow. So what does he say is the way that they start? He says it twice in these verses. Would you open them? Make sure you're, you're seeing this so that this isn't Ben's word. He says it twice. Verse 2 and verse 5. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? It, it's faith. It's trust. I try to use the word trust more than faith. I've shared this with you before. Um, faith has been empty up like the word faith has often been emptied in our culture and people say you just need faith you just need faith and they they don't mean faith in anything right um you, you faith always has an object i had charles price the preacher once come to my bible college and he said uh faith needs an object it, if you if you don't believe that um you know sit on your faith you you have a faith in a chair right? It has an object. But if you think you just need faith and it doesn't need an object, go try and sit on your faith. Your faith is in an object, right? So we, we trust. We trust God. We trust people. The hope here is that God has, has done something in us that means that all we have to do is trust the process that he has put us in so that we grow in the same way that we received Christ. We grow by continuing to believe him, continuing to trust what he's actually doing, and that it will lead to where we want it to go. It's not about doubling down on our efforts. Pause. Does that make sense? I'm seeing some nods. Getting some nods. One of you looks confused. I'm not going to say who. <laughs> um, <clears throat> probably just doing that to mess with me. Um, I'm guessing that the confusion comes from, well, what's the place of the effort? What's the place of the, the good things we've been given? What's the place of, you know, God gave us the scriptures. He told us to grow in certain ways or participate in them. Galatians is going to spend the rest of the book answering those questions. Okay. So, and I will have Q&A shortly and you're welcome to ask it. I might just say Galatians tells it answers it later on. but. We'll get there. But Paul wants to make absolutely certain that they know that the way that you grow is the same way you get in. You believe what you heard. The Spirit does work in your life. And you trust Jesus and you go with it. That's the growth. And he says, there's evidence of this. What's the evidence in this passage? Take a look at it. What's the evidence in this passage? How is he proving his point? 
because he's making an argument. What's the evidence he appeals to? Working miracles. He says, you came to Jesus by the Spirit working in your life and you believing what you heard. How did, and then he says, to prove that point, it's to prove that you grow in the same way that you have received Christ. He says, look what God's currently doing among you right now. What he's currently doing among you did not come about by you doubling down on your own efforts. Are you following his argument there? What the, the amazing things he says to the Galatians that God is currently doing among you. Does he work miracles among you? Does he supply you with the spirit, experiential, and work miracles among you, experiential, by your own efforts? Because you're really good at keeping religious rules. Because you've become more and more disciplined and God said, I'm going to reward your discipline with miracles among you. Is that his argument? No, his argument is that you believed it, you received it, and God is doing these things among you for that very reason. And notice that he assumes that his audience is powerfully experiencing undeniable, supernatural experiences of God. The argument falls apart if that's not the case. It falls right apart in your hands. Paul knows that his churches, because this isn't one congregation, right? Like this is a group of churches spread throughout a region. So you might call it a denomination. Paul knows that in his denomination, God regularly works powerful things that can only be explained as miraculous, called miraculous, or explained by supernatural means. He assumes that and then appeals to it and says, God does those things among you and you didn't earn it. Should our expectation not then be the same? I guess if you want to go with the Bible's expectations. I think our, our expectations need to be the same. So he says, that's the evidence. That's the evidence that doubling down on your own efforts is not the way to go. It, it's about trusting Jesus instead and letting his spirit work. And the evidence of the spirit working are the powerful miracles among you. So how did you come to Jesus? Did you come to Jesus because you doubled down on your religious efforts? Are you growing in Jesus because you're doubling down or because you are allowing the spirit to work in your life as you continue to apply your faith to God? That he will change things. He will do things. That's the argument of Galatians. Are we going to become people who will allow the spirit to work and trust him for the process rather than doubling down and saying, you know what, when I double the amount of time in prayer, when I double my Bible study, when I double the amount of time I am serving the poor, when I double my tithe, when I double the amount of worship services I attend, then I will grow in Christ. 
do those things have a place? Yes, they do. But they are not the source of your growth. Let's pause for a moment. Let's say, are there any questions, any comments? Does anyone want to interact over this a little bit? Say, I think I'm hearing you, but I'm not sure. Something still isn't clear. I don't want to pretend that I've been perfectly clear. And maybe there are words that I won't get until you ask the question. So I would be perfectly happy to say, hey, I didn't, I didn't make that very clear. Or here's how I can help us uh, maybe understand what Paul's saying a different way. Or maybe you just have a comment. Feel free. Does anyone want to interact a little bit? Ken? No, it doesn't mention suffering. I said that the, the word um, in your translation that says suffering is better translated as the word experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. The word, the word can be translated either way, and so you need to understand the context to know the best way to render that word. We do this all the time in English. We just do it without even thinking it, right? We have a variety of words that apply to different contexts, and so it's the context that determines which usage of the word makes the most sense. Okay? Thanks. Thanks, Ralph. <laughs> Susanna, yes. Right. Susanna said, I, I, I feel a little bit of a disconnect between um, the, the idea that, that it's just faith and then the reality of my life. And, and by that, do you mean um, the reality of my life is such that I, I still have to go do things, right? Um, Dallas Willard makes the point that uh, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. We don't earn any of the good things that God gives us or any of the good things that we do or or that he does in our lives. Does God work powerful miracles among you because you earned them by the religious things that you did? Or does he work powerful miracles among you, Paul says, by the fact that you have trusted Jesus and allowed his spirit to be at work by believing what you have heard? So there's the trust there, but that doesn't then mean that there's nothing for us to do. It's simply that those things that we had done before and continue to do are not the reason God blesses us. They're not the ways that it takes, that um, they're not the requirements for growth. They're the responses. I don't worship God so that he will bless me. He has blessed me and my responses worship. Is that helping a little bit? That there are still efforts that must be made, but they are efforts in response to the good things God has done, to the the amazing person that he is. I want to live my life because he's awesome. And and so I, I want to live a life that pleases him because we're in relationship together, and I really like this person. And I want to do everything that I can to please this person for the rest of my life. My entire life is to be a responsive worship. My entire life is not to be lived so that he will be in relationship with me. I already got it. Right? You already got it. He's already offered us love. I call you friends. He will tell his disciples. Right? It's a gift. All we do is receive it. We don't earn it, though. So grace is opposed 
to earning. It is not opposed to effort. But the effort that we put in is a response to the amazing things that he does. Questions, comments. Thank you for those. That, I mean, that's great. Are you asking because you suspect you? Um, I don't disagree, but I'm wondering if you if you have one in mind. Okay. Okay. So let me repeat the question for a moment, and then uh, Joel's question is: as a as a pastor observing what's happening in this local church right now, um, Joel saying, "I suspect that there is a lie that we believe." that would make people go in that direction? Is that, is that a way of reframing your question? The, the, there's, a, there's an underlying lie that I believe if, I, if my practice is such that in order to please God, I must do these things. In order that he will like me, I must do these things. What's the lie underneath? What's the lie that tells us that we have to go the religious route before God will accept us. Or in order to grow in Christ, I must jump through hoops. What's the lie underneath? That I'm not good. That God's not good. The lie underneath all that is that God isn't really good. That in order to approach God, I must first show him my straight A's on my report card, my moral report card, because if I don't, he won't really like me. The lie underneath, I would suggest, maybe there are more, is that God isn't really good. That, and do you see how that relates to what we just talked about? That does God do these things among you because you jump through hoops or by trusting him, by believing what you heard, by trusting what he has said? Do you see the connection there? Do I trust that he is really good? Do I trust that it is truly by grace? Do I trust that if I, um, do you truly, truly believe and trust him that when you believe him, and you allow his spirit to work in your life, that is su the sufficient path for spiritual maturity. Or are you going to put your faith in your own efforts to please him? Are we going to trust ourselves? Or are we going to trust him? That's a great question. Thank you. Does anyone want to respond to that or ask another question? Um, like, this is really important. <laughs> someone was pointing to someone else saying, this person has a question. Oh, uh, we'll let you think about whether or not you have a question. Go ahead, Lionel. Lionel has essentially boiled down uh, the, the question that the Galatians are going to be asking in subsequent 
um, chapters that Paul is addressing. So he is getting to that. So your question is, we have the Spirit, yes, but we have these scriptures that certainly describe ways that our God is to be approached. They describe that we, we live this way and not that way because this way pleases God and that way does not, right? Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Uh, no, actually, we don't hate our enemies, right? Uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? Paul's answer to that question is, well, we have the scriptures, but we have the spirit. How do we're not just throwing out the scriptures, right? And he's not, because he's going to go back to the scriptures over and over again in this book, right? But he's going to say, if you walk by the spirit, you will fulfill the law. That's his answer. That if you truly allow the Holy Spirit full access to your life, and you have developed such a sensitivity to what the Spirit is saying and to what the Spirit is doing, you will fulfill the law. That is, that is why we have the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. That's the point that he's making. That's why it's there. Because he says that if you have the Spirit, the Spirit will produce these qualities in you, and you will fulfill the law. Um, It's right there. He, he ties it in with the law. So the fruit of the Spirit is Galatians 5, 22. And he's just listed the, the works of the flesh, fornication, impurity, etc., idolatry, and so on. And then he says, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then he says, there's no law against such things. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, and we now live and are guided by the Spirit, verse 25. What the point that he is making there is that the Galatian Christians are worried that if we don't keep Jewish law, we're going to fall back into all of the morals of the world. And Paul's response is, no, you don't need to go back to the law in order that you, not, in order that, um, you don't fall back into immorality. If you have the Spirit, you will not fall back into immorality if you are walking by the Spirit. It's not just if you have the Spirit. Everyone who believes Christ has the Spirit. The question is whether or not we are keeping in step with the Spirit. That's Paul's answer to morality. And the way that we will know that we are keeping in step with the Spirit is if these things are produced, and if that life is produced, it's not going to contradict the law. It's not going to contradict what Scripture says. So that's why he will still go back to Scripture and say, these are, the, these are the things in Scripture that we need to live by. But he says you get there not by doubling down on your own efforts. You get there by learning to live such a life that is attuned to the Holy Spirit that when he goes left, you go left. Um, John G. Lake tells this story of driving uh, with his wife in the car. And they were driving through the, like, this mountainous area. And all of a sudden, he heard the voice of God in his head, not, not out loud, just in his head, say, pull over onto the left shoulder, left side. 
So he's got to cross a lane of traffic. Like instead of pulling onto the right shoulder, he pulls onto the left. So he crosses the lane of traffic, parks on the shoulder, and a truck comes around, like a transport truck comes around the corner, cutting through his lane because he had lost control of the vehicle. And he went further down, gained control of the vehicle and went on. And Lake and his wife would have been thrown over the cliff by that thing if he had not listened to the voice of God in that very moment, say, pull onto the left shoulder. We want to live such lives that are so attuned to the voice and the movement of the Holy Spirit that we would pull onto the left shoulder because he says so, even though it's illegal to do, right? Because we're walking in step with the Spirit. And if we keep in step with the Spirit, we will fulfill the law. Great question, Lionel. Did the one at the back end up having a question or not? <laughs> no? There, there's always time afterwards. That's brilliant. That's, yeah, it's worthiness, right? So, so Jody's, question, Jody's response, for those of you who couldn't hear it, was that um, when, when Joel asked the question of what's the lie, and we talked about the lie is that God is, is not good, right? There's, a, there's an other lie that some people will, so that was my answer, right? Um, but there is another potential lie there, and that the lie is, like, why do we go that religious route? Because that, that was the question, right? Why do we go the religious route where we try to earn God's favor? And so my, my first answer to that was because we don't think God is good. But Jody's suggesting a second answer that will appeal to other people, and that is we go that route of jumping through religious hoops to please God because we don't think we're worthy enough. So as much as God tells us that he loves us, because there's something down inside us that reminds us that we aren't worthy of that love, we therefore feel like we need to go through steps in order to do it. They're both lies. And identifying both of those lies is really, really important. So thank you. Well done. Well done. Yep. Jamie, thank you, Jamie. Jamie's um, quoting the song that I used to sing in Sunday school too. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And then the second line was, if you don't read your Bible every day, if you, if you say it again, um, don't read your Bible, shrink, shrink, shrink. Don't pray, shrink, 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 something like that. Yeah, again, that's, you know, Sunday, Sunday school teachers are wonderful and, and we want to bless them. We want more of them, but we all, you know, Pastors get things wrong. Sunday school teachers get things wrong. Sometimes um, songwriters get things wrong. And, and lies creep in, right? I grew up with that. And I, I grew up with that religious effort uh, that I have to be better to present myself and be worthy because God is not good, right? And that this was the path to growth. It was more and more and more effort. Not according to Paul. Not according to Paul. I'm, I thank you. I, I did see another hand, but we, we should stop there so we can wrap this up. Um, but we, I would still love to interact more um, afterwards. Always happy to do that. Thank you for that interaction. Um, I'm going to cut out some of the other things I was saying here now, but I think we got them actually. Um, I'll just abbreviate it now that I'm cutting it out. But um, 
Please don't double down. Some of you feel stuck in your life with God right now. And the hope that is being offered in the scriptures, the hope that God is offering us here is that we would respond to what this spirit is doing and trust um, trust what you've heard. Right? Does, does God work these things among you by works of the law or by believing what you have heard? What you have heard here recently, and especially in the last couple of weeks, is that God is working miracles among you, and it's for you too. And that's another lie that, no, this is for other people. No, it's, it's not. And believe the evidence. That's, that's the evidence. The evidence has changed lives. We've had uh, person after person after person come up onto the stage in the last number of weeks and share about a life that has been changed, their own. And, and those stories are shared for you to grab onto and say, I believe, I believe the good news I am hearing in you that God changes lives and I want to grab onto that. And I, I trust that the Lord actually wants to work in me as well, just like he worked in you. And as you allow the spirit to work with that, you are going to be surprised what he will produce in you. And we will fulfill the works of the law by walking in the spirit. If you want to talk more about that, that's high level. But if you want to talk more about how that touches down on your life, love to. Love to. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be people who are so sensitive to you that even when something you know, we, we think we're hearing from you doesn't make sense, we do it because we know your voice. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Would you make us people who walk in step with the Spirit? Who, who, whose focus is on trusting you, not on increasing our efforts to please you in order that we, we get your favor. Lord, would you continue to do the things that we have been hearing and seeing here? Because it's evidence of changed lives, which is evidence of you being at work. And we want to be wherever you are working. And, and we want to be a part of whatever you are doing. And we, don't, we want to reject the lies that you are, you're actually not good. We want to reject the lies that we are actually not worthy. unless we do these things. Lord, we want to be people and say, we, we trust you, Jesus. We, we, this relationship started because Jesus met me in my bedroom as a little kid. This relationship started because God intervened in my life. This relationship started because you gave me your spirit and I trusted you. So Lord, would you continue us in the simplicity of
walking in the Spirit and trusting you. And Lord, would you grow us in expectation of you doing powerful things among us for your glory? Because we want to see you glorified and we want to see lives changed. I love you, Jesus. Amen. We offer you a blessing. Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be all that you need to enjoy life with him. Go in peace, friends.